Hey everyone, I'm Mark Talbot from 20 Foot Radius. And I'm Derek Myers from DungeonsMaster.com. I'm Craig Sutherland, and you're listening to Recounting Encounters, a D&D Adventures League podcast. A show where we talk about D&D encounters, D&D expeditions, D&D epics, and exploits from our D&D home games. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Recounting Encounters. As we said last time we spoke, we were going to talk a little bit about the uh, last of the early levels, the the first tier of of uh, sorry, the first tier. Yeah, yeah, so I'm having trouble with words. The first, the first, yeah, the first tier of the adventures of Tyranny of Dragons. So anyway, they're uh, Craig and Derek are going to be talking about that. They are very familiar with that. Um, I guess before we start the evening, we have a little, little things we'd like to talk about. So in 30 seconds or less, let's start with Craig. Indeed, indeed. Well, um, well so many things to pick. I'm not sure where to start. Uh, basically... TikTok. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, timer. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, we talked last week about the Unearthed Arcana articles. They did the Eberron uh, article. Now they've put out their their most recent one which has mass combat battles i actually haven't read them so i have no idea how it reads but i know it's a miniature and grid based uh but yeah if you're interested go check it out uh it really looks like they are using this to sort of test out a whole bunch of uh ideas and whatnot before they eventually reach print form so kind of a way that they can play test it uh and make sure that it comes out and you don't have to worry about a huge amount of errata very cool that's one one of the little tidbits. Excellent. Derek, what do you have to offer? I want to talk about the uh, upcoming new season of D&D Encounters, the Elemental Evil storyline, uh, which will be uh, starting on the 18th of March. Uh, just like last season, DMs will have access to a PDF of the first few chapters, pardon me, the first few episodes, uh, which Wizards will provide to your, uh, to your gaming store for free so that DMs can download the PDF, read that stuff, and be ready to go on the first day. Uh, it's obviously this season, it's even more important than last season that you have this PDF because the book isn't out until after the first night, which, I mean, that's a whole other podcast. We won't even get into that. Uh, rumor has it, uh, well, not rumor has it, Wizards has confirmed the PDF will be available as of uh, March 10th. So DMs, that gives you a, a full week to uh, read up and get ready. What the uh, the question that remains that we're still not sure of is we know that Wizards has promised us a sneak peek in the online um, version of the Player's Handbook or possibly even as, a, as an accompaniment, uh, some of the new Elemental Evil character options uh, so that people making new characters for the new season can do so before the book comes out. So hopefully that will be available on the 10th as well, but... For sure, the DM copy is available on the 10th. So if you're going to be the DM, contact your store if you uh, haven't heard from them by on the 10th and see if they'll send you a copy. Indeed. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, another thing is that uh, the player engagement survey uh, continues. So there's they've already had one survey for feedback on the final official D&D rules for 5th edition. They have now put out the second uh, engagement survey. Uh, focuses a little more. I know there's the Barbarian, I think Bard, Sorcerer, and Warlock are the focus for that and one. As, and Monk, yeah. And as well, uh, going back to what I was saying about Unearthed Arcana, they were also uh, getting feedback on the uh, Eberron stuff they put out. So, um, yeah. If you haven't already, go uh, fill that out and uh, 
get your uh, feedback in there. Uh, now, you'll also see, too, they've also outlined some of the results from the first survey. <clears throat> and I guess uh, they were rather shocked that there was quite a bit of feedback that came back. I think more so than what they got even during their playtest. They received quite a bit of uh, feedback. And uh, most of it was, was pretty positive. And they, they, they basically outlined their, uh, you know, what they took from it and some of the changes that got them or that they're thinking about. Uh, most of the changes I think uh, they mentioned are going to be in regards to the Ranger class, but it's going to be... Woo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, jump in. I've heard a lot of negative feedback about the Ranger class from the public play that we do at the two different stores and even in my home game. And I, I tried playing a Ranger, and personally, I think that they are the least powerful and the, the most boring of all the classes as they exist in the Player's Handbook today. So I was very happy to see that I wasn't the only one who felt that way. Yeah, th- that's what I've heard, too. I, I haven't had experience myself, but I've heard the same thing, too. But, um, but yeah, no, they're, it looks like that they're looking at that. They're, I mean, they're taking the feedback seriously. Uh, they're not... From the way it reads, they're not in any massive rush to suddenly just drop a whole boatload of errata out there. I think they want to do it more slowly just to make sure they get it right. And then, you know, once it's sort of settled, then they can start working that stuff in. So unlike I know in fourth edition, you know, the player's handbook came out. Oh, but the the errata came out last week. Right? Like they had errata hot on the heels on every release, basically. Whereas this time, you know, they're 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 looking to take their time with this stuff. So... Definitely go give your feedback. Yeah, and they did mention that uh, unlike with the fourth edition where they would constantly issuing errata and saying this supersedes what's in the book, their intention, uh, assuming they can make it work, is they're going to release subsequent options. So they're standing behind the idea that what's in the player's handbook will remain uh, a viable option. And anything that they put out, it will not be errata and amendment, but will rather be additional supplements. So if you like what's in the book use it it will continue to be legal but if you're not happy with it they're going to hopefully present you with some new options that might you might find a little bit more interesting yeah i like that because i mean the archetype idea is is a great thing to capitalize on and i mean we can certainly see more of those as opposed to having like the whole book having to be basically rewritten yep okay so on a on a tangent off the that 30 seconds that we just had um neverwinter is actually emulating now D&D in every facet, and I think we've spoken about that before. Uh, March 17 is the launch of the Elemental Evil, the new adventure expansion for Neverwinter. And a couple of changes just to, to, to make note of is now characters are actually leveling up to level 70. So to go through uh, the Elemental Evil, characters are going to be doing new adventures, new quests in order to level up to level 70. I'm very curious to see how the armors are going to change, all the artifacts that people pumped all sorts of refinement points into, see what's going to happen with that, if they're going to level with the character or not. I'm curious to see what is going to happen. Also, on release on March 17th, is the Oathbound Paladin, the new character, new, new character class for Neverwinter. So stay tuned for that. Indeed. Keep in mind, on the, uh, the, the heel of this video game talk, they do also have uh, a new D&D 5th edition based video game announced. Uh, it's called Sword Coast Legends. Sword Coast Legends, that's it. Uh, clearly based in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, it's in the vein of the old Neverwinter Nights slash Baldur's Gate uh, style from back in the day. So if uh, you're interested in that, it uh, looks very cool. Not made by Bioware or or Obsidian or any of these other uh, 
recognizable publishers who have previously done it. It's actually made by a studio you may or may not have heard of called N Space. Um, so if you're a fan of such games as Mary Kate and Ashley, and uh, they've done a lot of licensed stuff, and they've done quite a number of Mary Kate and Ashley games, but you sound that's... like a big fan of those games, Greg. <laughs> I, I am. I am. Quite knowledgeable. I have the collection. I have the collection. Yeah. Uh, but... well, then you're going to be happy because the D, the basic D and D icon in this whole um, Elemental Evil module is going to be you get to adventure with Minsk and Boo. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. Uh, I did some of the play tests. Some of the uh, the uh, mirror server that they're doing all the play testing on. Right. So I'm I'm part of that, and I went around an adventure with Minsk and Boo. It's pretty interesting. Oh, sweet. Yeah, he says he says some funny things all the time. And yeah, uh, did you ever play Baldur's Gate back in the day? I did Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Uh, Baldur's Gate two. I did the Icewind Dale. I did the. Yeah, what Tales of the Sword Coast or something it was called? Uh, yeah, that was the expansion to the first Baldur's Gate. Right. Yeah. So and then anyway. there's the Throne of Baal, which was the expansion to Baldur's Gate too. But anyway, uh, but yeah, Heroes. Uh, sorry, I keep wanting to say Heroes. Man, you guys are so nerdy. Yeah, I also <laughs> played. Te- I also played Temple of the Elemental Evil. I wish oh, that, that was. W- a good one. That was fantastic. That, that was really well done. That had a lot of bugs in it though, and that's why that company eventually went bankrupt. But there's a lot of talent there. They did a really good job at uh, interpreting the 3.5 rules into a computer game. Well, it reminds me a lot of Neverwinter now. It's just Neverwinter is just more 3D. So like yeah. Baldur's Gate, like your your Sword Coast Tales or whatever it's called. Sword which Coast com- Legends. Yeah. Sword Coast you know Legends. What? what? You should totally keep an eye on it. It might be right up your alley. It's supposed to be uh, coming out this year sometime. They said 2015. No specific date yet. Uh, but you can watch a trailer for it. It looks great i mean it, it's also actually going to feature a dm tool so if you've ever played neverwinter nights as in the uh the old bioware game not the i own it they had a they had a dm tool set that was i, I have the new one creation thing the one that they upgraded in order to play on new computers oh yeah, yeah, yeah i that have that one little games put that one oh, in. yeah i paid seven bucks for it or something yeah yeah super cheap yeah. but uh but yeah no it, it looks really cool check it out just uh google it you'll find the page and you, you can pre-order it uh, whatever it's gonna be a steam based game but uh yeah it looks good looks fun so so we'll keep you posted and uh yeah for sure i'll keep uh, i'll keep everybody posted on both the neverwinter stuff and you know You've interested me in this other game, so I'm going to take a look at it this week, Craig. Indeed. Oh, and you know, one thing I want to say, too, just really quick, because I did mention N-Space was behind all those wonderful Marikade and Ashley titles. Uh, don't let that uh, sway you for two reasons. They also were behind the, the incredible GameCube game called Geist way back in the day. Uh, but they've just kind of been handed a bunch of crap in the past with licensed games. And if you've ever played Prince of Persia, Sands of Time for like the PS2 and whatever when that was out at the time, that company was known for a lot of Donald Duck games before then until they finally got something that they could really sink their teeth into. I mean, if I Prevail can actually do a cover of a Taylor Swift song, then, you know, there's hope. Indeed. Okay. So, so let's... Get, let's, <laughs> let's Back to tabletop gaming for a <laughs> let, Let's get back to the modular stuff now. So I got one more quick thing. Uh, since our 30 seconds aren't quite up, it's only been... 11 minutes. Um, (laughs) Well, you guys are just so loquacious. Anyway. (laughs) So, uh, D&D Encounters, a new season starts on the 18th. Uh, Stores that had sanctioned the the event on time, uh, they should have or they should be receiving the the kits with the... um, the faction magic item certs and uh, the new faction kits for players and for DMs. So, these are 
for the player ones, they're almost identical to the ones that went out for Tyranny of Dragons. There's the five factions. It's the same cover art. It's the same color scheme. Uh, inside, you get the exact same uh, welcome letter from the head of your faction. Uh, I believe there's the sticker inside. Uh, and there is, just like last season, there is a... Um, card that has a code so that you can redeem if you are playing the Neverwinter game for a free magic item. Uh, so for anyone who is interested in that, uh, certainly a reason to come out to the store to get one of the faction kits. Uh, I would uh, let players know that if you got a faction kit last time around uh, and your store ran out, you, uh, you know, don't be a jerk. If you already got one, try and let the new players get one first because these kits are a hot commodity. Uh, I know the stores where we played, they were, you know, people were, were getting pretty uh, ticked off that they didn't get the one they wanted. So, um, you know, hopefully if your store got some this time around, if you didn't get one last time, certainly ask for one. If you got one last time, the only uh, uh, new thing in it, actually, there's is just this Neverwinter code. And I know a lot of people at our store don't even play. So, you know, if you don't get a kit, just ask someone if you can have the one that was in theirs. I will. Uh, the DM, the DM kit is different. Uh, the one from last season had Tyranny of Dragon artwork on it. This one has the Elemental Evil artwork on it. Uh, and there is inside, uh, the D- there's a uh, cardstock for a DM thank you uh, magic item. So for anyone who runs this, uh, the season and gets a kit, if you decide and finally get an opportunity to play, you can choose one of the five items listed to give to your character when you begin play. Um, I believe one of the items is a brooch of shielding, which I think will be very popular. Um, there is also a uh, one-page handout in there that's basically like quotes and a tip sheet for NPCs in the game. Uh, I've scanned that. It's available on DungeonsMaster.com. Uh, if you don't have one of these kits or if your store runs out, uh, I, obviously we haven't read the module yet, but I'm hoping that the one-page sheet makes a little more sense once we've seen sort of who all the NPCs are. So, Faction kits are around this time, uh, this season, just like last season, and uh, again, they're going to be in limited supply, so make sure you get out in the first week. Indeed. Indeed. Very good. Alright, so let's get started in these modules. Yeah. Alright, so, the uh, the three mods that we're going to talk about this week are the last of the one to four mods for the Tyranny of Dragons. So this is uh, Drums in the Marsh, Tales, Trees Tell, and Outlaws of the Iron Road. Uh, I have played uh, I've played all of them. I've run all of them. I liked all of them. Greg, what what about you? Have you had a chance to go through all these? I have not played any, but I've run uh, Tales, Trees a few times, and I've run Outlaws of the Iron Road a few times as well. I have not played, nor have I run Drums of the Marsh, but uh, the two that I have played, I have I quite enjoyed. So Cool. All right. I feel uh, like this is sort of a turning point for the uh, for these modules. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to describe it. So the first one on tap is Drums in the Marsh. It's uh, uh, number 1-7 uh, if for those who are actually tracking the codes. Um, this one is also known as the one that takes place in the swamp. And Craig, since you haven't played it, I won't give too much away. Uh, but the, the general premise is that the characters are... Um, are just outside of Flan. I mean, they all take place in and around Flan, right? So the characters are um, uh, near Flan, on the outskirts, near where the farming communities are. There's like a tavern where all the farmers come at the end of the day and have a few bevies. And um, again, there's two or three adventure hooks that can bring the characters there. But when they arrive, they find out that a bunch of people over the last, you know, 10 days, 15 days have been kidnapped. And a lot of the farms have been ransacked. Uh, a further investigation reveals that um, in addition to people being kidnapped, a lot of livestock has been taken. 
and there's been no evidence of blood or other signs that the, the creatures, uh, the people rather, that are being taken are being injured or killed along the way. So it seems all the evidence that's that's they're presented with at the beginning is that the people are being captured and taken for some strange reason. Um, they eventually do a little bit of investigation. They, they, you know, you can go to some of the farms to sort of see what's up. And again, not a big spoiler. Uh, you find out that uh, it's lizard men that are behind this this kidnapping, and you don't really know why. But you are then you go into the marsh to try and find out what's up. Now, through the background of everything, the title of the module is "Drums in the Marsh." At night, there is this these drums. They're like basically like think like the Japanese war drums going off way off in the distance. And people basically have said when the drums started, that's when the kidnapping started. So they they are putting two and two together and assuming they're somehow related. Uh, The heroes have some adventures as they're going through the swamps. And uh, eventually they can just follow the sounds of the drums and they'll eventually find out, you know, what's going on where all the captives have been taken. And there is certainly plenty of opportunity to find out uh, from some encounters and from some investigation, you know, why they're being taken. Again, I don't want to spoil it for Craig or anyone else who maybe hasn't played it yet. But uh, the uh, sort of big climax of the module is you you have an opportunity to free some of the captives. And uh, I've played this one. I've played it once and I've run it a couple of times. I've had some some of the times when I've run it, the the heroes have decided that they're just going to go in and slaughter everything because they've been higher level. I've had some where they're newer players, lower level characters. They've decided to be a little bit more sneaky about it and try to, um, you know, get in and out without being noticed. Uh, all all the different ways we've played it have been successful, and uh, they've all had a pretty good time. The ending is supposed to be a big climatic ending, so. Um, it works really well. You have this great big buildup and then there's actually payoff, which I found with some of the other modules, you have this great big buildup and there, there doesn't seem to be that payoff. Um, I will say though, uh, so I, I do think this one is done really well. I like it, but I will caution you that all three of these mods, it's going to be, it's very difficult to run them in a four hour slot. Uh, usually we've been running them in a five hour slot and even then it's been rushed. And I know with Drums in the Marsh, there's a couple sort of little encounters along the way that I've been cutting out after I ran it the first time because I just found that there's just too much stuff to cover in the time you've got. So unless you're planning to break it into two components, uh, if you're DMing this for the first time, read through it and sort of try and get a sense of what can I cut out if I'm running a little bit long. Um, Yeah. So that's Drums in the Marsh. Indeed. Any questions? No, you know, it actually, because I didn't really know the story, but it sounds like some of the setup is pretty similar to Tales Trees Tell. Somewhat, yeah. Yeah, like the, the, you know, the farming community and and missing people and whatnot. Uh, But yeah, there's a similar setup with uh, Tales Trees Tell, uh, where you're it's you're in a, a little farm community, Cabell's Hill. It's again, it's also very close to Flans. I, I assume it's probably very close to where Jones of the Marsh takes place. Um, but basically, it's a, it's the same sort of setup. However, this one is a lot more uh, fae oriented, fae flavored. So if you're looking for something more fairy tale like, uh, this is probably one that you would want to check out. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to go into uh, the details as well for fear of spoilers, but. Uh, uh, the the basic setup is that uh, you know the Cabell's Hill, this little farming community has a there's a, a basically they have a pact with it with the the fey creatures of the the quivering forest where you know they don't they don't screw with each other basically. 
And this is a long-standing pact that actually goes back to uh, to the history of Flan, where the Fae have agreed to help Flan in their time of need. Indeed. Yeah. So, uh, so the whole idea is that 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 whole pact has been possibly upset, and it's up to the characters to to get to the bottom of what's going on. Uh, they're going to possibly have to go into the into the quivering forest to find out. Yeah, you know what what's 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 going on and what they can do to uh, to avoid a possible catastrophe. Um, so again, like uh, like the other one, there's there's this one can or can run a little bit longer. However, this one is uh, very role play oriented. Yes, definitely. Yeah, so it, this one I found to be easier to to like make it a little more manageable because it, it all really depends on how much role play you put into it. There's also a couple of combat scenarios that. You know, they don't have to be combat scenarios. It can be dealt with as a role play situation. Even the very last scenario doesn't necessarily. The, the times I've run it, one time it was combat. It turned into combat. One time it was all role play. You know, so it, it can like both all the times that I've run this this module, it's been they've pretty been pretty well been uh, wildly different from. So sounds so sounds like a, it sounds like a good module for a DM that runs it multiple times. They won't always get bored with the same kind of. It's not very. It's not yeah. as linear yeah. and not as railroady. Well, no, it, 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 it's a, bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the 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 later ones get we like the later modules in this season start to get away from the the railroady part. So this one kind of is, uh, but. Uh, there's, I guess, there's just different ways to approach it. Like you're still in the same situation, but there's just different ways to approach it. Well, that's what I mean. Like you, yeah, you, yeah. There, there's a variety of ways that you can overcome the, the encounters. You don't just have to fight. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. guess that's that's a good good way to put it. Right. But uh, but yeah, I mean, like, like I said, you know, they're they're setting foot in this forest, and it's it's like this real big. It's a big deal because there's been this this agreement in place for so long, uh, and they're but they're doing this, you know, to to try and avoid a catastrophe and. Yeah, it's a good one. Like I said, if you're a role player and, and if you're a DM who likes to to run role playing situations or have a good role play uh, heavy group, this is a great module to to run. Uh, if, however, it, it's the other way around. If it's if it's a group that much prefers combat, it's going to be a little more difficult for them to uh, to get through some of it because there is a lot of role play in this one that's pretty much unavoidable for the most part. Um, I found that there's a couple of sections in it where some parts didn't really make sense, especially some of the aggression in it seemed a little misplaced yeah. but uh, uh you know but uh, but beyond that though i think i thought i had a lot of fun running this one i thought it was great and i think the groups that we ran with uh, they've all had a, a really fun time with it too so yeah my my initial experience with this was as a player i, I mean I, I get to play so rarely it was nice to actually play this before i had a chance to read it and then run it so i didn't have to just you know uh, pretend I didn't know what was going on. I genuinely had no idea what was going on, so it was a lot of fun. But I, I agree. I found that with the group I played with the first time, we had that we had a half the players wanted to role play, half the players wanted to fight, and it just some of the some of the interactions seemed a little bit too. Uh, I don't want to say they were forced. They weren't forced interactions, but there was, I think you had said, it was like unnecessary hostility from some of the creatures. And when I mm. finally read the mod, like it's in there, like some of the creatures are just jerks for no good reason. And so when I ran it, I've run it twice since then. And uh, in both, both times I tried to dissuade my groups from just fighting for the sake of fighting. And in both cases, the groups were, were receptive to that and would ra- and, and made a, much better go of it using their their skills and their role playing and in both cases when i ran it the big final encounter 
uh, ended up being like 45 minutes of talking with very few dice rolls, no combat. And in both cases, it was a very satisfying conclusion to the story. Um, and uh, for one of my groups, they they made friends with some of the NPCs. And one of the, you know, we still have one of the NPCs sort of following yeah, around. I was, was going to bring that up. Yeah. yeah so it's... Uh, Again, it's up to uh, it's up to the DM to decide how how flexible you want to be with some of the elements. But no, I, I did like Tales Trees Tell. Again, it, it it can certainly run long, and I found that when I was running it and it was running long, I just removed a couple of the sort of random combat encounters that that don't really advance the story. Um, the downside of doing that, and this reflects back to one of the things we talked about on our previous podcast, was uh, one of the combat encounters you're supposed to, well, you're not supposed to, but you would, these monsters jump, like basically jump you when you're in the forest, and then you have the option of sort of tracking them back to their lair, and then you find a whole bunch of swag. And I kind of felt bad that my group, when I took that out, it's like, nah, I sort of feel bad that I'm denying them this opportunity to find this swag. But it was just a little bit too much to just say, oh, you find it on the road. <laughs> so I tried to work it into a way that they could still, you know, be rewarded through material gains. But in the interest of time, I had to cut the encounter out. So it, it was that fine line. And, and I was certainly mindful of, of, you know, what we had talked about previously. Need. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then, uh, Mark, any questions? I'm good so far. Okay. Uh, the third one is uh, Outlaws of the Iron Road. Of all of the um, of all of the adventures that we've got so far, uh, especially the one to fours, uh, this one, in my experience, this one ran the longest and was the most different than any of the ones that we had run up until now. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. The Basically, the the uh, it's been a uh, I've run a lot of mods since then. This one I actually ran before I did the other two, so some of the details are a little fuzzy. Um, basically, there's like a Robin Hood scenario where there's a guy who the, the you know is wanted, and then you find out that the reasons he's wanted are not necessarily the reasons you've been told, and maybe he's not as bad a guy as he's, he's made out to be. And as part of his resistance stance, he's he's basically become like Robin Hood. He's robbing from the rich to give to the poor, which is all part of the backstory. Again, I'm won't go into too much detail, but uh, the mission the PCs are given at the outset is find this guy and capture him. And if you bring him back alive, you'll get a payout. If you bring him back dead, you get a payout, but it's not quite as good. So there's certainly incentive to keep him alive. But along the way, you learn additional details and you think, well, you know, maybe there's more to it than this. You also eventually learn that there is uh, a second group that sort of sees this Robin Hood character making a go of being a bandit and has decided, hey, we can be bandits too, and they're a lot more violent. So you find out that there's actually more going on than what is originally. I mean, this is all you find this out in the first half an hour. You find out that there's there's you know more going on, and what eventually happens is these two groups that are basically you know acting as bandits on the road are have come together to try and carve out the road to say, well, you know, there's it's a big hence the iron route that's the name of the the highway. They're like, mm. look, the highway is a big place. We don't need to fight with each other. We can just rob everybody. Just you keep your part of the road and we'll keep our part of the road. And the adventurers uh, become involved in the story when these two groups are, are coming together at a neutral site to try and figure out the best way to either work together or to kill one another, depending on how things are playing out in your game. And then you have – and the mod sort of breaks it down into time frame, how long each section should take. And it gives you half of the allotted time. It assumes you're going to run it in four-hour slot. It gives you two hours – to go to the site where this meeting is taking place. It's a pretty interesting 
uh, setup. There's a map. It's sort of a 3D sketch map that's provided because it's like on a cliffside, and there's like a carving of a giant king sitting in a throne on the side of this cliff. Think like that scene in the first Lord of the Rings movies where there's uh, where they're in the boats and there's those two giant statues of the guys with their arms hanging. Do you know the scene I'm talking about, guys? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I can't think of what it's called. It's, it has it's, a name. It's a pretty iconic. Uh, yeah, I can't remember either. But it's, yeah. it's an iconic scene in both the book and the and the movies. And actually, I think it's it's one of the cover arts for Fellowship of the Ring too. Yeah. So I mean, uh, clearly that's the kind of thing that's inspired this. And uh, and and then like, there's no scale map that's provided. Like there are there's a couple other encounters in this mod where you have like a room or a, I think in one part you go to a prison and there's one of the floors of the prison is drawn out. And uh, but when you come to this other area, it's just a 3D sketch. And if you want to draw it out, uh, like on a one inch scale, you certainly can. But um, I've run this one twice now, and I gave the party well over the two hours that was allotted to explore the area, interact with the two sides, fight them if they want, talk to them if they want, trick them if they want, you know, depending on where their skill sets are for the party. And in both cases, the, the groups wanted more time. Like, this is certainly one that you could run if you had six hours. You could easily extend it to six hours. There's just so much going on. And, um, yeah, in both cases when I ran it, I had to really cut the ending short, which I was a little disappointed in. But the, the groups that I ran for this loved it. They all, all the players agreed that of all the ones they played, this was the one they liked the most. They felt they had the most freedom to yeah. do whatever they wanted. Um, there's a couple – I believe there are secret missions for every faction in this mod, and they all make really strong sense to the alignments of each faction. They're not like some of these other ones where it's like an NPC comes up to you and goes – Look for the gold medallion when you're out there, and you're like, okay, this really doesn't seem to relate to my faction very much, but sure. Um, but um, yeah, no, I, I, I did like this one, but this is certainly a tough one to run if you're a rookie DM. I think there's actually, I don't think all the factions that have a, a mission in it, I think there's only a couple of them, if I'm remembering correctly. Because I remember, I thought there was, and I like how it, I like how it isn't just spelled out for you. Uh, and also, if you just because you're part of the faction, it's not guaranteed that you're going to receive this mission. You have to be in the right place at the right time, and you have to be of the right uh, rank too. So you might uh, you might not get it depending on how how you've been keeping track of your your faction. But yeah. the thing I really like about this one is um, is of course that that sort of end sequence by that statue area because it's it's kind of like a game of Jenga basically where you have these different factions that are in this in this area there, there's definitely some aggression and everything's kind of vicariously uh balanced or certain is that the right word vicarious is a different word anyway whatever <laughs> it's, it's 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 all sort of just, just any slight breeze will tip it over and the and the players are basically like removing pieces or like the more that they interact with things like things are eventually going to come down and, and they're just basically trying to orchestrate how that's going to work in their favor i guess um but that that's kind of the part i like about it and like you said derek like giving them this time to like to do to talk with guys and to figure things out but there's certain things that are that are going to happen at certain points so like there is that I, I kind of like the idea that there is this sort of time limit as well like this uh although not necessarily that they're on the clock for anything but that 
you know, they only have a finite amount of time to, to explore and do these things. So, uh, I mean, and there's also several different ways. Like, you know, it's not like there's just one path into the statue area. There's several different ways that they can enter in. And, and the way that they chose will open up different avenues to them altogether. So, like, this is one I, like, as a player, you could play a few times and, like, approach the, the, the end scene completely differently. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. And w- the two times that I've run it, the groups did very different things when they arrived on sort of the final uh, place. And um, really, depending, they, they chose to do things differently, which really forced my hand as the DM. I had to have the NPCs react differently. Like often as the DM, you run a module two or three times, it gets a lot easier because you know exactly what's going to happen and how to play it out when that does happen. With this one, I found when I ran it the second time, it, it was a lot more work than I was expecting simply because uh, they took a different option. And so when the NPCs started to do their thing, because uh, certain tasks are spelled out, the NPCs will do this barring any interference. I had to really sort of be back on my heels and go, well, you know, they were maybe more friendly the last time when the group did this, but now they'd be more aggressive because they didn't do this. And it, uh, it, it was challenging. So I would, I would say if you're a DM running this, make sure you spend ample time reading through that second sort of second half of the mod and really get a sense of who the key NPCs are and what their motivations are, what their personalities are like and what's going to happen if they are attacked or if they are asked to, uh, you know, be friendly with some of the PCs for any reason and, and sort of figure out, well, you know, how would that change, you know, what's written in the mod? So, by the way, just uh, just in case anybody was curious and wasn't listening to the rest of the podcast because they were just hell-bent on knowing what the name of it is, it's called the Pillar of the Kings. Oh, that's the... The, the pillars location. in the, the location, yeah. So, it's the Pillars of the Kings, and just for those nerds, it's basically likenesses of Isildur and Anarion. Ah, yes. Oh, for the Lord of the Rings one. For the Lord of the Rings yes. one, yeah. Gotcha. So, I just Thank thought you. I'd tell you. Yep. Thank you. Um, also, I looked up... There are... Craig, I... I was, I was correct. The, there are faction assignments for all five factions. Oh, is there five? I but, thought I remembered only a few. But okay. well, but and I think the reason you only remember a few is some of the assignments only come about when the characters take certain actions at certain points in the mod. If they don't do certain things in a certain way, they never get presented with the mission, and therefore they don't know. And yeah. we actually had the second time when I ran this through. Uh, there's so like for example in one of the cases you interact with an npc but if you aren't already a part of the same faction as this npc they are not going to give you the mission so uh we had a guy who uh, again i'm just picking randomly here i think we had a guy who was a harper he interacted with the npc who for example was a zentarum guy and therefore the mission was never handed out but had the the player character been the same faction then the NPC would have been like, oh, hey, brother in the faction, here's this extra assignment kind of thing. So it's not just, you know, find this NPC and he'll hand out a mission. It's you have to do the things by the characters who are of that faction. So it's certainly a lot more, it's a lot trickier to get the assignment, but the rewards are actually pretty sweet. I really like that way of doing it. It feels a lot more organic and part of the story because I know in a, just as an example, and not to to do any kind of addition or game warring, but uh, the Pathfinder Society has a similar thing with the factions and whatnot. But it's at the start of the game, they just here you go, here's your faction mission. Just figure it out at some point or another. 
Yeah. But these ones are baked much more into the actual design of the adventure. And like, yeah, like you said, it's just you uncut you might uncover it, but then you might not, right? You just you, maybe your character will just never know. Yeah, and that was exactly it. And one of the, one of my players had. Uh, I think he had read the mod before or had talked to someone who had played it. I think that was it. He talked to someone who played it previously. And after he said, well, you know, my friend who's the same faction I am played this and he got the secret mission and you never gave me that mission. And, and I told him, I'm like, well, your characters never did the prerequisite to, you know, to get it. And, you know, it took the player a couple of minutes to sort of key in that, oh, it wasn't just going to be handed out. I had to actually work for it. Yeah. So, and, it, and I mean, it I think the player enjoyed the right that, rank. but yeah. Sorry, what's that? Well, I said it could be that you're not the right rank for it either, right? Like, they're these ones are the first ones that I've seen thus far that, like, they're not just giving it to anyone, right? Like, you, you have to be sort of a little more known in the in your faction. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I overall, I like all three of these mods that we talked about. I would absolutely run all three of them again. My biggest complaint, my only real complaint about all three of them is just that there's too much stuff to get done in a four hour slot, unless you've got a really good DM and a really experienced group of players uh, that can, you know, just keep the thing moving. If, if you had newer players who were new to D and D or new to fifth edition or new to the adventures league, you know, just the nature of their curiosity of how do how do things work is going to slow you down to the point where it is practically impossible to do this in a four or even in a five hour slot without making some changes. Indeed. And I believe, let me just see, I have the mod open here. I believe that the players receive a little bit more experience points for some of these. Okay, which one am I in now? This is the Outlaws of the Iron Route. Characters can receive a maximum of uh, 600 experience points, which I think, I want to say that's a little bit higher than the previous one. And then, let's see, Tales, Trees, Tell is, uh, I think it's around the same. The maximum for Tales, Trees, Tell is 750 yeah, I knew a couple of them were uh, higher, which, uh, you know, when I was reading through it the very first time, I was like, oh, well, look at this. Yeah, here, which one's this Tales, Trees, Tell? And then which one did we not done? The Drums. Drums of the Marsh. Drums of the Marsh is probably going to be in that ballpark as well. Uh, now, what bugs me, yeah, 750 for Drums in the Marsh. So so Drums in the Marsh and Tales, Trees, Tell, 750 is the max for the players. And uh, for Outlaws, it's 600. What really bugs me is, as the DM, I'm, I'm very glad that we get experience points for running the mods but the experience you get is the same as the dm whether the slot took four hours five hours six hours whether it you know regardless of what the players earn the dms are in the same and I, i'm not wild about that i think the dm's reward should be you know scaled appropriately if the players have an opportunity to earn a little bit extra the dm should have an opportunity to earn a little bit extra as well in my opinion agreed yeah. all right um so yeah I would I would definitely recommend all three of these, but I would definitely recommend that you try at least one of the other mods first. Yeah, for sure. These ones are definitely more DM intensive too. So if you're planning on running one, well, at least I, I can only speak for Tales, Trees, Tell, and Outlaws. But uh, if you're thinking of running them and you're a developing DM, or if you you're just taking a dip in the first time, might want to consider some of the uh, the earlier ones or something else to get your toes wet first because these ones are a little more demanding. Yeah, um, I will again probably shouldn't say this, but I'm gonna uh, the potential magic item treasures that you can find. Uh, two out of these three mods have 
probably the more powerful magic items we've seen. I know, and again, I won't say which item or in which of the mods. <laughs> I know there is an item in one of these three mods that players in our in our store have fought over and have requested that we run this mod more than once so that they can get an opportunity. <laughs> and uh, this is where the, the certs have come into effect where players who have earned the item now potentially could trade it away if they have the magic item cert. So, um, yeah, if you're a power gamer and you're, a, you know, a greedy uh, magic item whore and you want stuff, these are certainly, you know, good ones to, to play to try and uh, find some really, really good swag. For sure. Have you seen anyone trade magic items yet? I haven't, I haven't seen it myself. Not a single one. Indeed. I, I, I suspect that with uh, Elemental Evil coming up, we're going to start seeing that that happen soon. Well, I'll be honest. I think the reason we're not seeing the trades is I don't think there are many great items out there. I mean, yeah, exactly. Not to be little magic, capital M magic items, but there are two or three. I, well, I wouldn't even go this far. There's, there's like in the these adventures. There's really only one or two really powerful good items that I've seen, and for the most part, when they have come up, it's absolutely clear that it should go to a character that's built like this and in almost every time i've seen it played there is clearly one or two characters built like that so the person who ends up getting the item is perfectly suited for it it's not a situation where it goes to someone else and then they got to trade off later um and so that's that's why i think we haven't seen much trading is the very few items that are out there most of them some kind of suck so people wouldn't wouldn't want to give up something that's really good to get one of these so so questionable items now we are running the lost minds of fandelver right yeah, now i was gonna say that yeah yeah and there are the, both your group and my group are are in the wave echo caves which is chapter four and there is a ton of fantastic swag okay. in there. yeah great stuff me and my, my group actually came across some pretty decent stuff in the uh one of the earlier sites and they had a little bit of an argument over who was going to get it <laughs> I, I had to make the first dm call on it so oh. yeah my group decided that advancement was better than searching, so they bypassed two possible magic items so far, simply because they were more curious about where the path went than searching after combat was over. Yeah. So, any case. Fair All right, so there we have it. Those are the those are the level one to four D&D expeditions for Tyranny of Dragons. There are five adventures that are for characters level five to ten. We are in the process of running through them. Uh, I know, Craig, you've run Tyranny of Flan, and I've run the Dark Pyramid of Sorcerer's Isle. Uh, we've still got three more that we're going to try and get through in the next month. Uh, we certainly won't get through all of them before Elemental Evil begins. But once we do, we will uh, do our recaps. Very cool. Yeah. Indeed we do. Excellent. You know what I just realized? We're going to be getting back to uh, Encounters recaps. We will be recounting Encounters again shortly. Yeah. It's very. It feels, it, it, we've been out of it for so long. It just feels weird that encounters is, encounters proper is coming back shortly. Very cool. Crazy. Looking forward to it. Indeed. All right. So uh, thanks again. We'll uh, we'll do this again shortly, and hopefully we'll have uh, a little more Neverwinter stuff. So, but that's it's uh, a little teaser for those people. And uh, this concludes this session of recounting encounters. Until next time, have a blast. Indeed. You can follow me on Twitter at Amaron underscore DM, and be sure to visit DungeonsMaster.com for original D&D 4th edition material, including a weekly field report of my D&D encounters experiences.
and follow me on Twitter at 20foot and visit 20footradius.blogspot.com for your weekly dose of D&D encounters. That's 20footradius20ftradius.blogspot.com. Until then, have a blast.